This is episode 262 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman and Jared Aubrey. And on this episode, we will discuss Full Gear Fallout, AEW Dynamite. We will review who won predictions and much, much more. Hey, yo, Jay Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide yeah that is right we are here and we will get into the results of full gear shortly some aew dynamite who did win those predictions but as we always do around this time fellas how the hell are you? I can't help but chuckle at the full gear name because it implies that other AEW shows are in like half gear or three quarter gear or something like that. Oh, come on. <laughs> I got to go to the pop culture for a second. I finally got my hands on one yesterday. I purchased a Halo Infinite Edition, uh, limited edition Xbox Series X, and I couldn't be happier. You're lucky I'm even here tonight, guys. <laughs> Well, when did you get it? Yesterday afternoon. Uh, so we're what we're really lucky is that you're actually conscious. This, you, well, you probably played last all night. I was night, downloading right? all the updates and getting stuff installed, and today I can actually start playing it. Oh, okay. Kind of like when you buy <clears throat> buy a new game and you pop it in, and it's already got a software update. Yeah. All right. Well. This is going to be probably the most brief, but let's get into the wrestling news of the week. And the one item that I have deemed worthy is the injury update on one Kenneth Omega. It was reported earlier this week that Omega was scheduled to have his various ailments and injuries checked out on Wednesday, which is today as we record, and that a decision on his future would be made at that time. In an update, word now making the rounds is that Omega may be out of action for an extended period of time, according to PW Insider. It is likely that he will need shoulder surgery. The hope is that officials will have some clarity on Omega's status and future sometime within this week. It's been reported that Omega planned to take some time off at some point as he's been dealing with injuries that go back a few years. He was badly banged up when AEW launched in 2019 following his grueling run with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Omega dropped the AEW world title to Hangman Adam Page in the main event of Saturday's AEW Full Year pay-per-view, and despite his injuries and the need for time off, was reportedly determined to see the Hangman storyline come to completion as it did at the pay-per-view. So, that report, in addition to the opening segment of tonight's AEW Dynamite, it does seem that they are writing Kenny off of TV without adding additional you know, injury uh, beat down or anything like that. They just uh, did a segment sort of backstage where Kenny said uh, he gave Hangman his props for winning. He said he needed to take some time to himself, clear his head, change some things, fix some things, and he can't do it here. 
meaning in, uh, you know, being around AEW. So they kind of did write him off. Uh, the interesting thing, and Seth, you kind of brought this up in the pre-show, but the interesting thing was he kind of vaguely looked into the camera and said, I trust that you'll take care of things while I'm gone. Adam Cole says, D- no worry. Don't worry, Kenny. I got it. Don't worry about a thing. We'll hold it down. And uh, Kenny's like, um, that's great. Thanks, Adam. But I was actually talking to the Bucks. So planting a little bit of those seeds, if Adam's going to eventually, you know, reform the Undisputed Era to whatever they're going to be called, because obviously they can't use that name. Some of the seeds might be planted here for that uh, start, you know, continuing of that storyline. So they have me hooked on that. It's very interesting. But what do you guys think of Omega finally taking the time and getting some of these injuries taken care of? From what I hear, it's both of his shoulders. Yeah, I'd heard about his shoulders as well. Like, like he has trouble lifting using shoulders. Well, probably explains why he didn't do the the one winged angel. That's just speculation on my part. I don't know, but uh, we were talking off mic, and whether it's intentional or not, I couldn't help but notice it. Like you, you sit about, you notice about Adam Cole piping up and say, "Oh, oh yeah, things will be okay." Well, the New Japan fans from a few years back may remember that Adam Cole was also in the Bullet Club when Kenny was the leader and it never came to fruition because Adam Cole went to WWE, but they were teasing dissension that there was going to eventually be a split between those two. So it wouldn't surprise you if that's where this is leading, that whether it's like you said, Omega turning face or maybe Adam Cole splintering off his own group or something to that effect. It seems like that's, probably going to be part of the next phase for Kenny when he, when he comes back is the possible power struggle with Kenny Omega for control over the elite. I would be in for that. That's cool. And, you know, we've talked before on the show about how maybe wrestling needs seasons and, and folks need to take time off and, and heal and do that. So it's great that, you know, Kenny can take some time and if he's busted up to, to get all that taken care of and he'll come back at a hundred percent. Cause when he's on his game, there's, there's almost nobody better. So uh, best of luck to him. Hope he gets healed up and I hope to be seeing him back soon. But I like, I like where you're going with the whole, um, you know, uh, Adam Cole sneaking in, perhaps trying to take control, and we have that feud coming back. Can you imagine that match? Kenny Omega and Adam Cole, that would be awesome. That would be awesome, and they did even tease that on Adam Cole's debut, but, of course, then they swerved everybody because, you know, we got what played out at All Out. Also on AEW Dynamite, which I... you know, if it weren't for time constraints, there would have been no fast forwarding on my part. I had to fast forward a little bit because I want to make sure I saw the majority of the show before we recorded. But it is such an easy watch. I find that Dynamite and even Rampage, because it's half the time of Dynamite <clears throat> most weeks, but it's everything's entertaining. Everything has value. Everything, if you fast forward, you may miss a slight detail or attention to detail that they pay. It's just a breeze to watch this show, and there's almost nothing worth fast forwarding through, with the exception of something here and there, but they weren't even on tonight in in my personal taste. But uh, just generally speaking, I, I find Dynamite to be attention-grabbing mo- more often than not. 
you know, agreed on all counts. I know I've made the joke before that when you have DVR or three hour raws, nice hour television, but what you talked about with dynamite, that's kind of what I mean. One of the things I guess I mean, when I say that AEW is kind of a spiritual successor to nitro because it harkens back to the days when nitro was good and everything did seem to click on all cylinders. Cause there's really nothing that I would call bad in AEW right now. Some stuff is more interesting than others. So there might be a couple segments I might skip through, but yeah, for the most part, I just I pretty much watch it from beginning to end. Well, I, I'd have to say that, you know, WWE Raw is a pretty easy watch too, is it's fast forward through all of it. You're done in minutes. <laughs> You're still giving it too much credit. I don't even do that. <laughs> I, I read the results. I cherry pick anything that interests me. And if it doesn't, it gets deleted immediately. Like this past week, the only thing I watched was Becky's promo, and that was it. Because I wanted to see her retort to Charlotte. And I watched it, and that was it. And I deleted it immediately following, because nothing else had my attention. But we'll get to WWE losing our attention a little bit later on in this episode. The other good thing about uh, Dynamite tonight, it was almost like... Uh, how can I describe it? Almost like a post WrestleMania, like uh, the, the raw after WrestleMania. And I don't mean that in the old school sense of like surprises and call-ups and all that. I mean, like feuds ended or at least are going to be paused after full gear and new stuff was set up on tonight's show. They, um, they did what I believe and Seth, I know you did see the show also. I believe we got a Brian Danielson heel turn. We got MJF in a nonverbal confrontation with CM Punk, which I thoroughly enjoyed more than I thought it I would for Punk not saying a word. We've got matches set up for Rampage nicely. We got... Eddie Kingston starting a new feud with shoot. I can't think of the guy's name. Who who's with 2.0. Uh, isn't it Daniel or um, I'm blanking on his last name too, but Garcia. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. They, they, they basically Garcia. all, yeah, they all came from NXT NXT recently and kind of became their stable. Yeah. So uh, Eddie Kingston and Danny Garcia, uh, Darby Allen was, saying he's going to get his rematch with MJF eventually. And in the meantime, he wants to take on AEW's biggest and baddest. And all of a sudden the gun club walks up on him and Billy Gunn says, I'm the biggest and the baddest. So you name the time. So now on rampage, we're getting Darby Allen versus Billy Gunn for reasons. Um, so, uh, yeah, then we had, and I'm reiterating, reiterating this again. We had uh, Adam Cole and the Bucks, the Super Click, backstage, and uh, they said that they're sick and tired of the Jurassic Express, and they're going to take them out on Rampage, and it's going to be Adam Cole and Bobby Fish uh, teaming up. Adam Cole referred to him as one of his best friends, and uh, Bobby Fish starts talking smack, and he sounds like he's about to end his promo by saying, and that's undisputed, but he gets cut off by Matt Jackson's going, you can't, you can't say that here. 
And he even had like halfway to the <laughs> hand gesture of the UE that they did in NXT. Um, so I, I just love that. They f- they moved forward the stuff with uh, Dante Martin and Team Taz and Leo Rush. Just everything tonight just seemed to flow. And then they capped it all off with the main event of Jay Lethal and Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. And that match was just amazing. So all in all, just a, a great breeze of a show for Dynamite. Yeah, no quarrel here. Yeah, I've not watched it yet, but I'll get to it in a day or two, and it sounds like I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, e- even if you already know some of the matches that are going to happen and the results, it's like it, it it's still a fun show. Oh, for sure. Oh, and even though I just heaped all that praise on them, they pissed me off all in the same episode because they had to remind me no. that next week is in Chicago and I'm not going, and those sons of bitches packed a good card for next week and I can't go. <clears throat> so <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you son of a gun. Well, you can, uh, you can settle down with this, all the wrestling shows that you get there. Cause I've had, <laughs> I've had two TV tapings here. Well, I've had one and one is coming up in the last 17 years. So you just shut your hole. <laughs> uh, so, um, continuing on Brian Danielson's alleged or not alleged, uh, apparent heel turn, he cut a promo saying that next week in Chicago, he's going to take on the member of the Dark Order from Chicago, and we're getting Brian Danielson versus Colt Cabana. Because as part of his heel turn, he said that until Hangman agrees to the date to fight him, he's going to take out the Dark Order one by one by kicking all their heads off. So we started with Evil Uno tonight. He's taking on Colt Cabana next week. And then we also have... The quarterfinals of the TBS title tournament, Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter next week in Chicago, and a large eight-man tag team match as Cody Rhodes teams up with Death Triangle of Pac and the Lucha Brothers versus Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo, and FTR. So next week's Thanksgiving Dynamite in Chicago is looking to be good. Damn you. (laughs) But I'll just be home. Because it's, I believe, if I remember correctly, this is going to be at the, I'm blanking on the name of the arena, the arena that uh, had 2020 Revolution. Yeah, Wintrust. Wintrust, Trust, thank you. Yeah, so I didn't want to, even if I was, even if I was financially able to get tickets, I wasn't quite sure I wanted to trek all the way down there because, you know end of november you didn't know what the weather was going to be like either and if it was going to be you know god forbid snowing uh i wouldn't want to traverse all that that area down there so i'm kind of glad if it was in hoffman estates i would have made more of a push to try to make it but i'm not too broken up about it but we'll see you can practically walk to the now arena (laughs) it might take a couple hours but Before we get into full gear recap, I want to make a couple of predictions announcements. NXT 2.0 has announced that they're going to be back with War Games on December 5th. But Jared and I, neither one of us have watched since episode one of the transition. And Seth, I don't know how much NXT 2.0 you watch. I'm I'm too young to watch that show. (laughs) 
So uh, we're leaving off uh, NXT 2.0 from predictions, beginning with War Games. And NXT 2.0 will not factor into the 2022 predictions scores. Uh, we're just not going to do it. It doesn't make sense to predict a show that nobody watches. Survivor Series is this Sunday. Not that you would know it. We will make predictions for this show, uh, this pay-per-view, but we're going to handle them offline and we'll put it out on Twitter and we'll put it out on our website, twbpodcast.com with a post. Uh, We'll make those predictions offline because WWE has made it clear that they don't really care about this pay-per-view. So why should we put forth the effort? Obviously we're putting forth the effort to predict it, but, um, yeah, they're kind of pissing me off right now. So that's kind of where I'm at with them and this pay-per-view. And it is the final pay-per-view for predictions of 2021 because there is no December pay-per-view because they lined up two for January with day one on January 1st and then the Royal Rumble at the end of the month. So uh, we're going to have lots of points flying around for the beginning of the 2022 predictions. But, um, yeah, those are my announcements. The executive decisions, so to speak, uh, we're cutting ties with NXT 2.0 and we will wrap things up with survivor series offline, but those predictions will be made known via the socials and our website. So with all that in mind, let us run down review and revisit AEW full gear. I know my feed for the show cut out and the video was not recoverable. I lost feed from the tag team title match right where FTR was hitting Penta with the AAA title. And then it didn't come back again until somewhere in the Miro Brian Danielson match. But I did see everything else, so I guess it's not a total loss. I heard it afterwards on a, on a replay because I, I wasn't able to watch it live. So I, I was able to see it. Cool. And Jared, how was your feed? Oh, my feed was awesome. Yeah, I watched the whole thing live. Cool. They kick things off in the buy-in show with a tag team match of people in the quarterfinals of the TBS title tournament where we had Niall Rose and Jamie Hayter taking on Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida. And the winners of the match were the babyface team of Thunder Rosa and Hikaroshida. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. I mean, I, I can't say it was uh, like a hugely great match or anything like that. It, it served the purpose it, it uh, was meant to. I think kind of by association, it may have been the weakest match on the card, but that's not re- not really a negative. It just means how good a lot of the other matches were. So I have no, nothing really to write home about but certainly you know there was nothing bad about it either yeah i'm with Seth. it was a it was a good opener it was good to get um you know the blood flowing and get amped up a little bit it was uh fun to watch it was a good match again not anything amazing like seth said but you know it got you ready for the rest of the show 
And more often than not, that's all you can really ask of a buy-in show uh, match is to get you excited and invested. You know, back in the old days, it was a barn burner, so to speak, to try to get you to get those last-minute buys. But I don't think AEW has that problem where they need to get last-minute buys for their shows. I think their shows pretty much sell themselves. And then we got to Full Gear Main Card Proper. And kick things off with MJF versus Darby Allen. And man, did this over deliver. I thought this could have easily been match of the night and it was only one match into the official card. But MJF defeats Darby Allen by nefarious means, of course. But he does end up winning with that side headlock takeover, as he said he would. That son of a bitch mjf i'm sure i'm not alone when i say that i probably saw that finish coming that yo he's going to win with this wrestling move but of course he's going to try all the wrestling and the baby face is going to have an answer for everything he has so he just cheats knocks the guy out and then does the roll up i mean it was a perfect ending for the type of person mjf is and i'm sure we'll get the re- rematch down the road in, in some capacity but the you know, MJF, I don't think, is ever going to lose any momentum any anytime soon. You know, and he is a guy that I think they have been slow burning to the world title, like what they did with Hangman. He's probably going to be probably just a matter of time before he is unquestionably the top heel in the company. I, I think that is going to happen at some point, barring any sort of you know, injury or act of God or major contract to WWE or something like that. I think it's just a matter of time before he's the top heel on the company. So I'm not even the biggest MJF fan, and I enjoyed the heck of a match. This was a really, really good match. They went all out before the nefarious finish that you talked about. But if I had to nitpick just one small thing, it was that side headlock takeover. And if you watched it, when he's actually making the pin because of the move, He's got his arm underneath his head. He's actually kind of got him pulled up off the mat a little bit. So I'm like, well, are your shoulders really down? I'm not incredibly sure here. So that, if I had to nitpick, that was the one thing. Fantastic match. And like I said, I don't even like MJF, and I was, I was riveted. So well done, folks. Yeah, I kind of noticed that as well. And I was like, whoa, I guess we're going for the fact that his shoulder blades were down for the one, two, three, because his shoulders sure certainly were not. Um, it was almost similar to Ronda Rousey in WrestleMania 35, where her shoulders weren't really down either. So that's, that's what we're going with the finish. Maybe we should have had a different camera angle, but oh, well, um, they didn't seem to make a big deal out of it. So (laughs) I guess it's water under the bridge. Next, we had the AEW tag team title match as the Lucha brothers defended against FTR. And retained. I'm sure there'll be people. I'll say this wasn't as good as the cage match with uh, the Bucks from last month, but I don't think they were trying for it to be. They're still in the middle of the feud, so to speak. So it still was probably better, just like as far as mat wrestling and such as that as that cage match. But the, the cage match just had more drama to it because it was the conclusion to a feud. Whereas we're kind of entering, I think, phase two of this feud, you might say. So. But yeah, solid match uh, up and down. Really, this may have been one of the best, like as far as just in-ring wrestling pay-per-views I've seen in a in a very long time. And this is a perfect example of it. 
you know, one of my favorite former WWE tag teams versus my favorite AEW tag team. And it was, uh, you know, maybe not the barn burner we talked about earlier, but it was super solid, super fun. Um, the combination of old school versus new school just made it super entertaining. And yeah, I'll watch this all day long. And that's the thing, even if it wasn't, obviously there's no way it was going to be as good as the match at all out, but still, as we say, riveting, you know, it, it had it, 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 I can't even talk. That's how good it was. Um, it had its ebbs and flows to the match and enough drama to where you weren't sure how it was going to go. And then you had the little details of, uh, Dax tying up Penta's mask braid into the ropes and, you know, little things like that. And the referee, you know, struggling to, to get him untied in time before, you know, other cheating went on, but it still held my attention. And, you know, obviously not the same drama as Seth said, as the, as the cage match, but still it, it held its own. I thought it was great. Yeah, and it it like you said, it's it's the continuation of a feud. Obviously, they're not done with each other, and and it's gonna if it leads to another match between these two teams, I'm all for that too. Next, we had the finals of the World Title Eliminator Tournament as Miro took on Brian Danielson, and the winner of the tournament is the American Dragon Brian Danielson. I thought this match was just fine. I mean, I know there's probably some people that are saying, oh, well, you know, two WWE guys going at it, but they're both very, very good. And yes, Danielson won, Miro lost, but that shouldn't be too shocking because they're clearly in the middle of a storyline with Miro, you know, finding himself or, or whatever. And that's not an uncommon trope at all where you put somebody in a losing streak before, you tweak their character a bit that that's uh, kind of wrestling one-on-one there it's not that's not a problem if somebody goes on a, a winning streak if it's to serve the purpose of a character update and then a hot streak comes after that so i was perfectly fine with this uh with danielson winning i think i, I think i was who i predicted so uh, yeah yeah great match uh, up and down danielson's been doing some of the best work of his career and since it's brian danielson that's saying something yeah yeah but, Really, just a great match all around. Can't really say anything bad about it. Yeah, I kind of soured on on how I got my 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 name straightened out. So Brian Danielson in WWE, or sorry, Daniel Bryan in WWE. See, I screwed it up already. Um, the the last phase of his run, I was kind of over him, and I didn't I didn't really care about him too much. When he showed up in AEW, and now we get the American Dragon version. I'm like, hello, this is the guy I've been waiting to watch the entire time. And then you put him against Miro, who, you know, you have that, that technical versus Haas, and there was submissions and counters and power outs, and it was just it was just a super solid, super entertaining, super fun, super well-wrestled match. And I was starting to get burnt out on the pay-per-view at this point because just, everything was just so good. So just wait till we get to the next match. Yeah. And I, I almost, you almost can't, even worry about or buy the whole ex WWE guys. Cause you know what? They're not even close to the same people they were there. Yeah. It, it's just night and day. You, you don't have the creative shackles anymore and it's, it's a breath of fresh air and it's completely different and it's great. And that's where we are with that. 
we moved into the yeah as jared said if if you weren't tired yet you were in for <laughs> in for a treat because we had the falls count anywhere match as the super click took on jungle boy <laughs> luchasaurus and christian cage and yeah Boy, we saw some things in this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the baby faces won, as uh, Seth and Jared correctly predicted. I, uh, I, I, I made a faux pas. I said, this is where I'm going to show why I'm in first place. And I took the big L in this match. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the baby face teams went baby face team won. There we go. And um, if you ever wanted to see a six foot five man do a shooting star press off a stage onto some people down below, uh, you got <laughs> your, you got your wish tonight on this on this night, man alive, and, and the fact that he did it, and then the camera immediately cuts to Jungle Boy, whose jaw is dropped, and says, <laughs> "Holy shit." <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know about this shooting star press. That was awesome. Yeah, this match was all over the place, constant action and big spots and everything you would probably expect from a multi-man Falls Count Anywhere match. And if it wasn't your type of match, then I can totally understand that. I mean, there there were things I didn't care for, like, you know, the uh, Panama Sunrise on the, on the stage and then all the uh, apron bumps and such. But I've just accepted that that's kind of par for the course now in modern wrestling. So I just kind of endured it. But yeah, it was very exciting and it was absolutely the perfect finish. The the finish that made the most sense was Jungle Boy being the guy that got the win for his team. Yeah, I can't even describe everything that went on in this match. I was tired after the last match and this one just completely exhausted me there was so much going on that was so good you know the the moonsault one the concerto at, at the at the end to finish you know with cage asking jungle, jungle boy to to actually do the concerto to get the win but there was just so much you know the the knee pads with the with the thumbtacks in them you know they they kind of called back to the shoe with the thumbtacks now they had the knee pads um just so much going on and just you didn't have a chance to breathe it was just fast and furious action and after this match i actually considered turning the pay-per-view off because i didn't know how i was going to watch anything after all this so i i was worn right out after this match but carry on we must and indeed we, we get to a tag team match featuring cody rhodes and Pac versus malachi black and andrade el idolo and Surprisingly, the heels did not go over here, and Pac gets the win for his team. Some more interference from FTR, although it was only Dax Harwood because... uh, No, I'm sorry, it was just Cash Wheeler because Dax um, took a stiff shot in the tag team match earlier and was not cleared to go out for this spot, so it was just Cash by himself. Um, but really weird that this this match, because it was put together last minute, kind of had separate builds on their own feuds. And 
I guess if you could call any of these matches the weak match of the card, I would probably say it would have to be this one. Um, but Cody and Pac win as Pac hits Andrade, I think it was, with the Black Arrow. I know people are expecting a Cody heel turn. That may happen, but there's clearly more at work here because the week after Black lost to Cody, he said something to the effect of it isn't it isn't about wins and losses. So it seems like there's more warping of the mind of Cody Rhodes at at, at play here. So we'll, we'll we'll see where where it leads. But yeah, when you this and the the pre-show match. Those are the the two that I could understand people calling them the weakest match on the show. But uh, if you watch it in a vacuum, it was a great match. But when you compare it to everything else, it it, it just didn't seem uh, just didn't seem as good as the others. Well, as I just explained, I had trouble watching this one. I was <laughs> I was burnt out and I was tired after all the action. I got to admit, I barely paid attention to this. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> um. <laughs> We had the AEW women's title match as Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defended against Ty Conti. And as I was torn in predicting this, I was also torn in watching this because I really, 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 really want to see a nice babyface win for Ty but it just wasn't to be on this night as the good doctor, the good dentist retained as we all thought she would. But I will say that Ty held her own. Uh, Britt, after the pay-per-view, said she will admit that nobody kicks harder than Ty. But I think what this match suffered from, other than being a smidge too long, is... It was the complete opposite of Hangman Adam Page having the confidence in his match. They kind of made Ty be like unsure of herself, and every time a signature move did not end in the result in the win, they did the whole surprise shocked face and what what else am I gonna do way too often in this match. It, it was her second title shot. They really didn't say that or tell that part of the story i feel if she gets a third title shot somewhere down the line hopefully they'll book her a little better even if she doesn't win but i still enjoyed the match i just felt there was too many of the surprise shocked look oh my god what do i do type thing once in a match is fine twice okay but this is about four or five times yeah, agreed in all counts. Uh, I know some of the matches had to be cut for time. I remember hearing that. I don't know how many people, if, if they were seriously expecting Ty to win or not, but I think it was the right call to have uh, Rip Baker retain. So everything was fine with this match, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we, had, we went through all that in our predictions on, on why uh, it, it wasn't time yet. And that showed here, and not showed in, in that, she's not ready but just it wasn't the right time um the one thing i would like to see about ty Conti that i actually messaged you about josh is they they aired this great vignette before the match about about ty's uh experience in in jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu and how much of a legit badass she is i really hope they start exploring that more in her matches like there's 
there's flashes of it with some submission attempts and stuff, but you know, they're if they do kind of the you know the MMA crossover thing, you know, these folks that are that are trained and are essentially holding back in the ring, let, let them go a little bit, let them show what they're really made of, and I think that would add that that other big dimension to to Ty's repertoire and game that would elevate her quite a lot. So I hope they go that direction. They can easily rip from Ronda Rousey's WWE matches because she has the judo history and they always say judoku throw and this, that, and the other. And she, you know, they really built that up. They could easily take that route with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu for sure. And especially with Excalibur calling moves too, right? Like he would nail all of that stuff. Yep. This is one of those things that's right in front of them that they just need to take care of. Moving on, we had a quote-unquote match next, but it was more of a downright fight. And we had CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. And before the bell even rang, somebody got their bell rung because Eddie Kingston nails CM Punk with a spinning back fist right off the start. And I, I had a smidgen of a gasp that I thought, whoa, he's going to beat Punk in three seconds. That just started everything off on the right foot in terms of the match itself, not the right foot if you're CM Punk. But this was great. Punk dons the crimson mask at some point halfway through the match. Uh, They do a whole lot of paint brushing, and Punk actually... I don't want to say, well, I guess it was a split crowd, but he had a lot of booze coming his way. Kind of kind of reminiscent of WrestleMania 18 with Rock and Hogan, but it wasn't that the fact that the crowd turned Eddie uh, face, it's just that it was evenly split uh, with uh, who was backing who. In the end, Punk is able to hit the GTS and pick up the victory. I really like this match. And nothing really to complain about. There's even a little bit of blood. Oh, really? I think the only thing I said would happen that didn't was we. I thought we'd get the handshake. And I don't know if there'll be any more matches if it was one and done based on what's going on in Dynamite. It doesn't look like there's going to be a rematch anytime soon. But, I mean, that was the match where the crowd ate everything up. It was believable. And just the type of stuff that works pretty much every time it's tried when it's done well. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody expects Eddie, Eddie Kingston to be Eddie Guerrero or anything like that, but his style perfectly fits his personality. You know, he can, he can hoss fight and strike and all that good stuff. And I'm actually happy that he's on a, a national stage now for an extended period of time. Cause he's, he's really been impressing me lately. So yeah, great, great match all around. Uh, I know I've been saying that for like practically all these matches, but they they're all different. Again, it goes back to AEW kind of being the spiritual successor to WCW when it was good. Because when WCW was good, they had a lot of different matches with different styles on all the time. And that's one of the things I like in wrestling promotions when it's multiple different styles, different types of matches that can be done. So, yeah, I couldn't ask for more with this match, really. Yeah, you kind of nailed it there, Seth. You said different, and that's it was very different from the rest of the matches on the show so far in that this was just like you said it was uh josh's was a fight and it was it looked super stiff and it just looked aggressive and it was a nice welcome change it it wasn't going to be you know the quote-unquote five star but 
you know, it, it did its job and then it gave us a break from all of the, the high intensity action from before. And it was a different kind of intensity in this one. And it was a bit of a welcome change. So I, even though, again, like the MGF match, even though I, I'm not an Eddie Kingston guy, I, again, I enjoyed this match. That's kind of the key to it. If they can grab your attention for guys that aren't your guys, then they're doing their job. And obviously, for longtime listeners of this show, I'm the CM Punk homer here. And even I was fully into this from both sides and perspectives. And I kind of, I'm kind of glad that it seems like they're keeping Eddie a baby face um, based on who his next feud is lined up to be off of tonight's dynamite. So I'm totally cool with that. I think as I stated last week, I think with what his real life issues have been and the fact that he went public with them, it's almost hard to turn somebody heel like that. So yeah, I'm completely okay with how the match went down, uh, the you know how the fallout is going to be, and I think they just did a really good storytelling job inside the ring. So before we could get to the main event, we had to have a quote unquote cool down match. Sure, um, ten man <laughs> tag, ten man tag in a Minnesota street fight, inner circle took on men of the year and American top team. And Inner Circle came out on top. There were many tributes to Eddie Guerrero sprinkled throughout this show. This was the anniversary of the uh, date where he passed away. And um, so the end of this match saw Chris Jericho hit a frog splash on um, Dan Lambert and picked up the win. Previously in the match before, CM Punk actually did the three amigos and a little Eddie shimmy. Uh, so yeah, lots of tributes to Eddie throughout the night. But in this match, uh, Inner Circle did come out on top. This went pretty much exactly like how I was expecting it to. I said before that you know, Dan Lambert would only get in the ring when the baby faces were down and he could stomp on them or whatever and, and act tough. And that's pretty much what we got. And the finish was appropriate as well. I know there were a lot of Eddie tributes, but of course, uh, Eddie was one of Jericho's best friends. So it's fitting that he would have one too. Obviously, the idea was to shut Dan Lambert up. We know I don't think we got any of those guys this week. If there was any real complaint that I had, I could see about the match, it's that uh, I know that. Uh, Andre Arlovsky and uh, Junior DeSantos aren't really that experienced as far as pro wrestling. I don't know why they were doing superplexes and things like that. So if you compare it to matches with seasoned wrestlers in it, it didn't seem to flow as well. I think it was most notably there was the time when um, Jericho was going to do Lion's Salt and it looked like Junior DeSantos was late in getting to him. So Jericho kind of had to stand on the middle rope for a second so, so he could get hit. But that's just one of those things. Uh, you can chalk it up to just being inexperienced and not having the timing down. And But I was kind of half expecting this. I was expecting guys who really weren't trained pro wrestlers to have a pro wrestling match because the the story isn't so much about how good are these guys as wrestlers as much as it is uh, let's finally get to see Dan Lambert get what's coming to him. And that's exactly what happened. 
So while it was not in ring a very good match, I thought it was very entertaining and told told exactly the story I was expecting it to. So definitely props for it. You described the match pretty well, Seth. So what I'll say about this is, you know, the, the couple of the, the MMA guys that I took notice of, and you and you named them, uh, Dos Santos and Arlovsky, and you could tell Arlovsky, uh, there was a one point where he had, I forget who it was, I think it was outside, the, either in the corner or outside the ring, and he was doing the, the clubbing forearms into the, the person's back, and you could tell those were big, slow <laughs> <laughs> taking it easy kind of shots because he's that dude's a striker and if he would have been letting go then there would have been broken backs and stuff there and you can just tell he was really easing off and taking it easy and and slowing it down um on the other hand yeah there's a couple of timing problems with dos santos and, and i expect that from all of them because they're not pro wrestlers but if there's one person in this match that i thought maybe has it it's it's junior dos santos he was he had the facials going. He was shit talking. He he pulled out some good moves. The dude is super athletic, and if you mix some of that again, mix some of that MMA bits in with the wrestling, he could really be outstanding. I think. Um, I don't know what's left in his MMA career or how old he is, but I would love to see him come into pro wrestling and uh, have that. You know, um, he's not as big as Brock Lesnar, but that Brock Lesnar style, that mix of MMA and wrestling, I think that'd be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely agreed. Then we got to the main event, the culmination of this long, winding story. Kenny Omega defended the AEW world title against Hangman Adam Page. And not only was this a great match, not only was this great storytelling, I am so pleased with how they graduated the hangman character so to speak like there were several points during this match where kenny tried to i don't want to say cheat but like get an advantage in whatever fashion necessary and hangman just like bowed up swore at him and said you know not tonight you son of a bitch or something like that just a couple of different occasions and just that the change in Hangman's character was just so what it needed to be for this match, and I thought it was great. The the thing with the Bucks coming down at the end, not interfering, and then giving that nod, and he just hit the Buckshot Lariat from behind, and then another Buckshot Lariat to the front, and then was able to secure the one, two, three. This match, this would be the one, you know, like Simon Miller says at Well What Culture, if there is only one match you saw from this pay-per-view, this would be the one that I would recommend. That's how good this was. And we got the conclusion that we needed. Jarrett, I'm sorry you didn't get your extension of this feud. I think this played <laughs> out perfectly. And, uh, and new, as the saying goes, Hangman Adam Page is your AEW World Champion. I think I said it before, uh, even when we were talking about AEW forming two plus years ago, I said that I thought, I'm pretty sure I said that uh, Hangman was going to be the guy that they are going to slow burn to the world title at some point. You know, they, they definitely are trying to make their own established stars. 
and not relying on the stars of yesteryear, so to speak. And this is a perfect example of it. I think Tony Khan and others had even said that, uh, of course, there had been setbacks with, you know, COVID and such and uh, whatever else, you know, injuries and obviously hangman becoming a father. There were things that did kind of uh, change the course a little bit, but for the most part, they played it out pretty much how they had intended it to be from the start. They t- they had their patience. They took two years. They they set up a long-term story with Kenny and Adam, and that made this match all the more enjoyable and all the more dramatic. Now, those other matches, we, get, we got the high-speed action. We got... Uh, some good mat wrestling in the opener. We got the brawls and all this. This one had a little bit of all that, and it had definitely the most drama out of any of the matches. And I said before that I, I think that it's possible, maybe, that Paige could have lost and just had something go on after to do yet, yet another rematch. But the thing is, is Kenny already beat him last year. So they didn't, I don't think they necessarily needed to beat him again. So I absolutely think the right call was having Paige win. He gets his moment in the sun. He finally gets his revenge. The crowd seemed to love him. He's checks all the boxes for a top guy, in my opinion, in that he's, he's got a good look. He's memorable. He's athletic and carries himself well. So yeah, this while it may not be a match of the year, I can understand people calling it a match of the year. It certainly was a moment of the year caliber, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I messaged Josh. Is that I, I almost changed my mind right before the match started. I had my phone out and I was going to, I was going to send Josh and I said, like, I'll change, change my prediction to, to hangman. Uh, but no, I stuck to my guns and I was wrong, but uh, no, it's all good. This was, it was an outstanding match. Again, I, never got on the hangman uh fan bandwagon uh, i just never bought into it uh but i love the intensity in this match josh you mentioned the kind of the the pseudo hulking up in the squares i believe there was a mother f bomber at some point um you know he was right into it yeah uh, outstanding match a great great title match uh great match for a belt to change hands and uh what a way to end off the show yeah, a complete masterpiece of a main event. And the show overall was pretty darn good as well. So just quickly, I will get to the prediction results here in a minute, but quickly, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. I can't imagine there's going to be too many surprises here. Uh, <laughs> but go ahead. Thumbs way up. Uh this may have been, like I said before, one of the best in-ring wrestling. It, I think from an in-ring standpoint and pure athleticism, it was probably better than All Out. All Out, I think, was the better spectacle. We got all those debuts and the so, so the huge cage match and all that stuff. And plus, uh, I was biased in that, you know, obviously Josh and I attended the, the show live. So it that has my bias. I was there, there live. I really admit that. But again, this was probably the better show from an in-ring wrestling standpoint so yeah if 
I, I think I can say, even if you're listening to us and you haven't seen the show and you know all the match results already, if you can, go get the show anyway, because it's still a great show, even if you know everybody's going to win, because all of the finishes were logical. There wasn't anything that makes your head scratch and say, wait a minute, why'd they do that? So, yeah, absolutely good. Great show. Probably 9 out of 10 if I had to to rank it. So, yeah, excellent show. Go watch it if you haven't already. Yeah, I like most big AEW events. This is uh, definitely a thumbs up, way up. Enjoyed it. It burnt me out. It was so good. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And I agree. Thumbs up as well. There's really not much more to say. So, predictions. Jarrett would have won the night, but... Kenny Omega screwed him at the end, and so he did not. But Jarrett did tie me with win-loss record for the night at 8-2, and two, except I got him on points 19-16. to 16. Seth was 7-3 and three for 18 points. And that brings our year-to-date totals through AEW Full Gear, as we mentioned before, next up is Survivor Series, the last pay-per-view of the year that will be quantifiable in our predictions. But I have a record of 99 and 34. And uh, I, I joked with Jarrett that I may not get to 100 wins because I really... A, don't care about Survivor Series. B, don't know about how Survivor Series is going to go down. And I could be I could be O for whatever and, and not get that 100th win of the year. So who knows? But 99 and 34 with 340 and a half points. Jarrett in second, 88 and 45 for 294 points. And Seth at 85 and 48 for 287 points. Yeah, I know I'm last, but I'm not that far behind. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're catching uh, Josh at this point. Right. I, unless Survivor Series is a complete shit show and he goes like Ofer or something. I, I, it, it, it could happen. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Those are our predictions. That was Full Gear. And now... We will get into a quick little main topic. Oh, I can't say quick. You know, every time I say we're going to do something quick, it never really ends up being quick. But be that as it may. I wanted to discuss, I briefly brought this up last week, and Jarrett, you said we should run with it. So I took it to heart, and we're running with it. After full gear, and even a little bit before, I think I think I was losing interest. And I said, I had said to Jared, I think I told you that I was about ninety eight percent done with WWE, and the only thing that was really keeping me around was the Roman Reigns and the Bloodline storyline because I want to see how it pays off. And actually, when I said that to you, was the latest round of releases when Keith Lee and Karrion Cross and all those people were released. Because it was really pissing me off because there's almost really no reason to invest in anybody anymore in anything WWE related because you just don't know how long they're going to be around. And they've proven that they will release anybody and everybody. And you can't even count on NXT call-ups anymore because 
they've shown you time and time again they're just going to fail those people and then release them on a dime. So uh, the challenge and the topic here was you need to select and bring with you, so to speak, five current WWE talents to the promotion of your choice and you as a fan then leave WWE behind. So, uh, Seth, we will start with you and we're just going to go through all five, uh, and then we'll, you know, have some conversation about it. But, um, Seth, we will get your five and then you can tell us what promotion you are bringing them to and that you will leave WWE cause you have these five talents. These were your reasons for watching and now you're done and with watching them. Well, the guys that I picked, uh, not really surprising for some of the guys, uh, I, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, who I'm sure we're going to hear more than once in this conversation, and then one other guy from NXT, and I made sure that NXT guys were still valid for this little kind of fantasy booking exercise. Uh, I, I took a guy who has all the credentials, I think, for a foreign menace, because I would go with these guys to New Japan, and the fifth guy would be Walter, or Walter. So Nakamura, AJ, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and Walter. Now, are we going to say why we're picking him now, or are we just going to save that for later? It sounds like we're, we'll talk about why later, right? Uh, we, yeah, we, let's just go over all of our lists, and then we can get into the whys. So, Jarrett... Your five, and where are you taking them? Well, I'm I'm taking them to AEW, obviously. Um, the five I picked are Rhea Ripley, Ricochet, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, and Roman Reigns. Managed by Paul Heyman. I cheated just a little bit. <laughs> well, I, too, am bringing these talents to South Beach. I mean, AEW. Um, uh, I actually have two of your five, Jarrett, but I, I did not take our tribal chief, um, mainly because he falls into the WWE lifer category for me. And I also didn't take anybody whose contract is almost due to expire. So I did not take a Johnny Gargano. I did not take a Kyle O'Reilly oh. because they will be in AEW eventually anyway. Same thing with Kevin Owens. His contract expires you, shortly. You, you took this way too seriously, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Seth took Randy Orton for crying out loud, and you're talking about WWE lifers? Oh, my God. You have, you have disrespected your tribal chief. Um, well, the other thing is as soon as this storyline runs its course, I'm – pretty much done with the whole thing anyway i i don't see i don't currently i don't see how you turn him babyface after all this i mean obviously there's a way there's always a way but i, I don't know he, how much my interest will be there at that point i this is sorry i'm going to derail this for a second i think i said this a couple of weeks ago maybe even a month ago i think they're turning he's just organically turning babyface now he's getting more and more cheers Every week, you got people counting along with the ten clotheslines uh, in the corner. I don't know. I, I I think he's just kind of naturally 
going and, and not turning face, but he's being he's being cheered by the crowd more now, and they're going to turn him. Well, more power to him, but uh, he did not make my list. No. <sighs> I will also cheat in a, it's not really cheating because they didn't make my list, but I will tell you the four that I had to, that I, I wanted to put on there and I had to, to cut. Um, originally I had people on my list and then I cut them and they were Dakota Kai, uh, Alexa Bliss, who I just feel is once she's done with WWE, she's probably just going to be done. Uh, wrestling all together, and I just don't know how she would transition to AEW. Uh, I originally had Becky Lynch on there, but I, I again I don't see her. I, I think she's, I think she fits just fine in WWE. She's probably one of the only people that does. Uh, so I cut her, and then I had Cesaro originally, um, but he's also kind of just re-signed with WWE, and I, I just didn't really. I don't want him over in AEW just to job to other people because he does that currently where he is. So I just left him alone also. But my five to bring to AEW are Chad Gable, Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Ricochet, and Sasha Banks. You forsook your tribal chief for Chad Gable? Yes, sir. He, he was on my list too as far as uh, uh, possibilities. Yikes. <laughs> okay, so now we can get into the why. Seth. Okay, well, like I said, New Japan. Honestly, I picked New Japan for two reasons. One, I figured one or both of you would pick AW. And two, New Japan clearly has started a working agreement with AW, so a lot of these guys would probably show up in AEW anyway if they went to New Japan. But one of the biggest criteria I used was the G1 Climax which is their annual tournament, about a month-long, big round-robin tournament. Everybody fights everybody. All these guys would have fantastic G1 matches and would just be a uh, spectacle to behold, so to speak. Nakamura, there's a couple natural stories that could be told because, quick history lesson, Nakamura was the original leader of the Chaos Stable. He started chaos and now it's being led by Okada because Okada is the, the world champion. Well, not now, but he has been, you know, he was the world champion. I think when Nakamura left, but you could simply have Nakamura show up. He gets a hero's welcome back and chaos, just welcome him back with open arms. Uh, and things are just back to the way they were. That could work. It could be entertaining, uh, a little bland, you could have Chaos turn on Nakamura. You could have a feud, and Nakamura could team with old rivals like Tanahashi for tag matches or something like that. Or you could do what I would do, assuming that we have booking scenarios in this this uh, uh, exercise, so to speak, which is Nakamura returns, but Okada and Chaos don't simply let him back in. And Okada resents Nakamura for leaving the group and he just can't come back and just get his spot back. So this could lead to a match with Okada or a series of matches against several Chaos members, but in the end, Nakamura earns the respect, and he's able to rejoin, and they're kind of you know, more solid than ever, you might say. AJ Styles, former Bullet Club leader, you could do a similar storyline with him or simply have him return as a babyface. 
Or you could see him joining Nakamura in Chaos. I mean, that would be an interesting thing as well. Randy Orton might not be a fit off the bat. And I admit, I'm like probably the biggest, one of the biggest Randy Orton fans you'll find. I know I'm the biggest one between the three of us. My biggest dream match right now is Orton versus Okada. Because Okada is known for his awesome drop kicks. But Randy Orton's drop kicks not chopped liver. And they, they could definitely build a match around building to their, their drop kicks. Roman Reigns, enough said, he, he wouldn't need much help uh, adapting. He'd be a perfect new leader for the Bullet Club if they wanted to go that route. And Walter, I mean, we've seen the hoss fights this guy can have. Like I said, his credentials check every box you need for a big foreign menace competitor. So that's why I would bring in Walter and like the G1 matches with him would just be all sorts of uh, action and violence and uh, all those goodies that you like in a good hoss fight. So that's why I picked who I picked. Well, my picks kind of worked out for a number of reasons. First, these are the five people that these are the reasons why I actually still tune into WWE to watch these folks. So Rhea Ripley, of course, is, you know, AEW doesn't have that, um, the, the, the fit big lady to just go dominate people. They have, you know, a couple of folks that are, you know, the, the monsters because of their size or whatever, but Rhea Ripley is huge and powerful and she, that'd be a completely new dynamic over there. And I think she'd do some great domination work there. Um, Ricochet, well, his style, I mean, uh, you'd have matches against Sammy Guevara, against Darby Allen, against, uh, you know, either of the Lucha Brothers. Like, there, he'd have just, you know, Jungle Boy, fantastic matches against a whole slew of characters in, in AEW. Um, the Usos, while well, tag team, we not said Lucha Brothers, the, you know, FTR, all of them, the Young Bucks. Fantastic, fantastic matches. And then Roman's the heavyweight and Roman is Roman Reigns. So I actually got it worked out. I got I got a heavyweight, I got a tag team, I got a cruiserweight, and I got a woman. And just the way it worked out. And I think that would just be all fantastic fits. Oh my god, it's Joseph Anawai. <laughs> With my picks, I while I went into great detail with people's, you know, whose contracts are expiring and all this other stuff, I didn't get too much into the booking aspect of it, but Chad Gable just needs a place to shine. Um, he could just dominate somebody in just suplex them all over the place. And he would just be fantastic. And he could have great matches with anybody. He could, um, he could join up in the pinnacle or just an offshoot with FTR because FTR keeps gushing about him on Twitter that they are excited to work with him again in the future because there were those great matches with American alpha and the revival. Um, Rhea Ripley, I chose for most of the same reasons that Jarrett did. I think she could use a place that would book her properly same with Tegan Knox. Right now, she's in catering and not even used on television. So that's self-explanatory. Hopefully, her knees would hold up and she's young enough to where she could boost uh, that women's division for several years. Uh, Ricochet, for the same reasons that 
uh, Jarrett mentioned, and you left off a match. How about Ricochet versus Brian Danielson? Well, there you go. Yeah. I had that one in my head earlier. I just completely forgot to say it. (laughs) And um, I think part of what uh, the women's division AEW is lacking is star power. And can you imagine Sasha Banks in that women's division? Holy cow. And she's one of the best that WWE has right now, and she's just not utilized. I mean, she... Okay, that's not actually correct. She's utilized, but I don't know. I just think that she she would be another one that would thrive having the creative shackles off of her uh, from WWE. So I think she would be great to have the star power in AEW. I think any and all these folks would, you know, once you release uh, those creative chains that you talked about um i would like to love to see versions of all these folks with just letting them do what they're able and they want to do um you know I, I keep talking more about ricochet and the stuff he can do in the ring and he doesn't get to do in wwe i can't imagine him letting loose in AEW. like it'd be mind blown so those are our picks selections and reasons as we wind down here on this episode, as we said, or as we stated earlier, Survivor Series picks will be out by this weekend. Survivor Series, I think other than Becky versus Charlotte, nothing really else grabs my attention that I need to watch. So I don't even know if I'm going to have it on in the background until we get to that match. I just might have to let it all play out and then watch it and fast forward until I get to that match so never really thought i would say that about survivor series but that's where we are so any final thoughts gentlemen oh well it was a it was a lot of fun i mean i think we all had good picks um so i actually i i like these fantasy booking exercises if you want to call them those it's that's bookings just always something that has fascinated me over the years so it's always fun to talk about this stuff um Survivor Series, I know I'll watch. I got Peacock, so I'll just see it when I can. But it's not of earth-shattering importance. I know I'm not the only person that's noticed that rather than use TV time to build the teams for Survivor Series, they announced all the teams on social media, and now they're spending TV time changing all the team members when they could have just announced them during the show and you know adam pierce wants a strong raw team but yet he's also manager of smackdown so how is he trying to pit the teams against each other uh and just going back to the old heel authority figure uh it's just uh, it's more of the same you might say so survivor series usually usually though turns out to be a pretty good show and I'll, i'll watch it i'm sure we'll talk about it next week but uh, I'm definitely looking forward more to uh, the next year when it comes to wrestling, because we're probably going to get a lot of interesting stuff. But I think 2022 is going to continue to be a great year for wrestling. Yeah, I think Survivor Series, I'm sure we're going to talk about this when we do our, our results and our review. But yeah, it's really gone downhill in the last several years. I, I long for the days where, like you said, they they built the matches up and, and built the teams up over weeks and months leading up to the show. And I, I'm hoping this show is a, a Seth special where 
it doesn't look that great on paper, but they put their working boots on, like you like you oh, normally yeah. say, and 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 we get a good show. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the Thanksgiving dynamite is gonna be better than Survivor Series. Huh? Well, you're not gonna get any money from me on that. <laughs> and get ready for everybody on social media to call you biased. Uh, <laughs> cool. Bring it. Yeah. Poor billionaire Vince just always has the world against him. Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember the times where we were looking forward to NXT shows being better than the regular WWE shows? Yep. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, next week we will, I guess, review Survivor Series if we must, and probably some other topics and surprises potentially as we go along. So until then, thank you once again for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And until then, we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle Podcast Network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Aubrey 5150, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren. <laughs>